Hey everyone, you're listening to the Respiritualized Podcast, a fresh take on life's biggest questions. I'm Logaram Das, here today with my co-host Jaini Tai. Our topic for this week is war. What is it good for? Is war inevitable? Is a world without war even possible? With the Ukraine-Russian conflict approaching its 60th day, we are all reminded of the terrible cost of war. Lost homes, broken families, and shattered lives. There is a sense of helplessness and hopelessness, knowing that such seemingly avoidable death and suffering is still taking place. On today's podcast, we explore war from a philosophical perspective. What is the underlying cause of human conflict? What can an average person like you or me do to contribute to real-world peace? Is peace even possible? Thanks for listening. Well, Johnny Tai, where would you like to start? So, the first question that comes to mind is, what is the purpose of war? And is there any situation where it's good to have war? Yeah, I guess you could look back to the Revolutionary War of our own country. The United States fought for independence from an oppressive government and rebuilt a whole vision for a nation based on basic human rights, the right to freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and so on. Obviously, the, the current war in, in Russia and Ukraine is, is very different. You could say that, you know, on, on the side of Russia, there's an oppressive force coming in. And, and so Ukraine fighting for their autonomy is, is I would say, a, just, a justified uh, reaction, p- taking up arms to, to defend their country. So in that case, you have people going out and killing other human beings but it's in self-defense it's for a a just cause to protect their homeland to protect their family members Mm. so there would be situations in which there's something worth defending yeah from another party that's trying to exploit the situation exactly exactly and in those cases war isn't only justified but it's necessary we need to be willing to use force to protect what's truly worth protecting. Mm-hmm. And then a question may come, then one may suggest that, oh, still try to avoid war at any cost. Yeah. So could there be a world that we can live in where war could t- completely be avoided? Well, that's that's a big uh, a big question. Is is such a world possible? It's truly desired. People people talk about it. There's the whole United Nations is an attempt to work everything out in in diplomatic ways to avoid armed conflicts. Mm-hmm. And I think that in one sense, our modern world has made some progress in that area. But as we can see today, not, not quite enough. Because there's still, there's still uh, many selfish interests at mm. play 
From Russia's side, they perceive that their their national interests are threatened by the uh, interests of of the West and and particularly Europe and the United States. They they feel threatened. They feel their economic autonomy is is at stake, and so therefore they've chosen to invade their neighboring country, the Ukraine. And so as long as you have um, governments that are competing for finite resources, at a certain point it'll come down to armed conflict, unless they can peaceably work things out, which usually usually doesn't always happen. Mm. So that points to like there's an underlying cause that is rather pernicious and extends beyond any particular war. Yeah, yeah, it's not about, you know, when when we're talking about war in general, it's not just Ukraine Russia or or this, you know, it's not about communism, it's not about capitalism. It's about sharing one planet that we're on this this planet earth together and we we aren't mature enough as human beings to be able to share mm. share the the limited resources that we have mm. so then as individuals what is the innate what is the issue on an individual level um, that we're struggling with in this material world that tends to escalate toward war well, one of the, the factors is fear that either there's a, a, a real threat, like in the case of Ukraine, they're afraid of what Putin and, and the Russians might do if they take over control of their country. How will that change my life? Will they in, impose certain, certain laws? Um, will they will they take advantage of us? So they're afraid of what that scenario would look like, and so they're standing up for themselves and 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 fighting back. In another instance, like take the side of Russia, there is a perceived threat. It's not so clear cut. They're afraid of what the expanding influence of NATO might mean for their future economic security. Will the United States? take a stronger stance in trying to influence Russian politics, Russian economic decisions. There's definitely some fear that's influencing Russia's decision to, to uh, invade the Ukraine. They're afraid of, of a weakening influence in, in the global arena. So fear is one of the one of the the driving forces that cause people to um, to fight with one another and ultimately kill each other. Mm. It's just because they're afraid. Another factor is greed. This is very different. This is uh, like a hunger, uh, an insatiable appetite to have more, more than what I currently have. And this one is, is less, uh, y- you can't empathize as much with greed. You can empathize a little bit with fear, 
Mm. But when it comes to greed, you don't really have much empathy for a greedy person. Mm -hmm. You know, you want them to, to, to just be happy with what they have. Right. And, and leave the other person alone. Mm. But, but greed is there. You know, greed is a very powerful force. And, and it, uh, it's definitely behind it's 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 in there it's 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 in there with with fear mm. as a as a cause and contributor to to the conflicts that we see like like what's going on today right you could say the for me when i was younger the invasion of iraq by the united states um after all was said and done it, it became clear that there was a significant amount of greed mm. involved in in the United States choosing to get to get involved with that war because ultimately um, the the United States economic security is tied to um, oil and and the accessibility of oil the price of oil mm. so uh, the United States was able to secure a greater uh, hold on that region because of that war. And they had plans to actually try to knock out different uh, Arab states after Iraq. They mm. wanted to go directly for Iran, but then the, then the whole war became prolonged. It was a big mess. Mm. So that's one of the uh, embarrassing consequences of greed is things usually don't go quite as neatly as we would like mm. the other people that we want to you know hey, hey why don't you just give me that <laughs> why don't you just give me that thing that you mm. have you don't you don't need that anymore i'll take it off your hands but they put up a fight they don't they don't want to give us their you know their piece of the pie so the, things get messy yeah like what's going on now russia thought hey we'll just knock them knock them out you know we'll storm kiev and and take over the country just like that and now it's been 60 days. It's embarrassing for, right. for Russia. They're, right. they're, really, they're really feeling the burn of this greed yeah. that yeah. drove them in the first place to, to try to uh, you know, take, take over this country. And so it's a big mess. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking like it's easy to see, like when we see this happening on a global level between two nations. Yes. And it's we can say very clearly, okay, there's greed that's influencing this party, and therefore they're on a large scale exploiting an entire other nation. Uh -huh. And they have the resources and power to do so. Um, I find in my own life it can be challenging for me to see and face and accept the ways that I may be doing that on like an interpersonal level. Sure. Or in terms of just my relationship with my environment. So, because I feel like it's kind of a scapegoat whenever there's a big problem. Everyone yeah. talks about it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we're, we're not so much different than people who are able to exercise violence on such a large scale. Yeah, we'd like to think we are. Right. But when it comes down to it, I'm pretty greedy too, yeah. a lot of the time. Or, yeah. or I'm pretty fearful too. Yeah, it's, you're absolutely right. So is there some wisdom um, that one can use to, to exercise this knowledge in their own life in order to um, 
create a peaceful situation sort of the, from the ground up. Nice. Starting like, like close to home. I like that. Yeah, it's easy to distract ourselves from the real cause. You know, war is about causes. This mm. cause, that cause, the cause of democracy, for instance, or the cause of um, liberty. Mm. But what is the most pressing cause that should be on our minds at all time? Who is the real oppressor? War is often about freeing one nation from the oppressive control of some cruel ruler. So the Srimad Bhagavatam, one of the most important books of the Indian uh, religious sphere, explains that the real enemy, the real oppressor in this world isn't outside. It's actually our own mind. Hmm. And the person sitting on the throne of the mind is the false ego, the false self. That's the real dictator we should be concerned with mm. first. Until we have rebelled from the cruel authority of the false ego, and we've regained autonomy and real control over our mind, until that time, we shouldn't be so worried about what's going on outside in the world around us. Mm. We don't want to be neglectful. If mm. we have some ability to influence uh, our local community or maybe we have some influence on a state level or even national level, we should be responsible and do what we can to help other people be safe and happy. Mm -hmm. But our primary concern should be our own oppressed state. Mm that the real enemy is the uncontrolled mind. Mm. And so the whole process of yoga is comparable to a war. We're fighting a war against false, the false self. Mm. We're fighting a war against delusion, fighting a war against all the times that we choose to act against our real self-interest. Mm -hmm. Why do we do that? Arjuna, he asks that question to Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. Why do I continually act against my own best interest? Yes. And what does Krishna say? It's lust. It's just lust. It's this material urge, this material desire that has nothing to do with our real self, the soul, mm -hmm. and everything to do with the false ego, the mm -hmm. false self. This idea that I am this body, I am this material mind, and everything in the world is here for me to enjoy. Mm. Like, then the next question I have is, um, when one starts to become aware of how we're harassed by our mind, uh, it's, it's a bit embarrassing, and it's incredibly challenging 
So where would one start in addressing? Because it's something to be aware that I'm harassed by my mind and my mind is demanding that I satisfy this desire or that desire. And by virtue of um, acting on that, I may be exploiting my environment or the people in my lives in some way for my own self-interest. But at the same time, I'm so harassed by the mind to do that. So how does one find relief from the mind and pursue a life in a satisfying way? Mm. Yeah, we want peace. We want to be happy. Mm. And the, the nice thing is, no matter how much our mind oppresses us and and how much power the false ego has over our our life Mm -hmm. we can never fully abandon control in the human form of life we'll always have at least a sliver of power Mm -hmm. and as soon as we choose to exercise that willpower and take a stand that this is my life. I'm not going to let it continue to go in this direction. As soon as we do that, we take a stand. We take up arms. The, the real weapons that we can use in this war against the false self are the weapons of knowledge, discipline, and humility. Hmm. Let's start with humility. Hmm. First, like you said, it's very embarrassing when we recognize how much we're being oppressed mm-hmm. by our own material desires. Mm-hmm. One saint, in uh, one Indian saint, Rupa Goswami, he compares these desires to slave masters. Mm. that just beat us mercilessly practically every night leave us to die and then the next day wake us up by kicking us (laughs) in the stomach and say back to work (laughs) pursue those desires and then and then after we complete one thing that we've slaved over for so many so many months or years now on to the next the next thing so uh, it takes humility to admit how wrong we've been, how deluded we've been. And it's no one else's fault. We can't blame anyone but our own selves mm-hmm. for accepting the false self as our master, for choosing to live a lie mm-hmm. based on the material concept of life, denying the reality of the soul. Mm-hmm. It's our own fault. So we have to be humble enough to admit that. And second, we have to be humble enough to seek help, mm-hmm. to seek enlightenment and knowledge from somebody who has it. Mm-hmm. It's like when you're sick because you ate something you knew you probably shouldn't have, or mm-hmm. you drank just a few too many drinks more than you should have. It takes some humility to go to a doctor and get help. Yeah. You have to say, hey, I did it to myself. Mm -hmm. so similarly in the realm of spiritual knowledge we have to have the humility to go to a teacher a guide in sanskrit the word is guru someone who has knowledge 
and not just a little bit of knowledge, but is heavy with knowledge. Mm-hmm. The, the word guru means means heavy. Mm-hmm. They're they're overflowing with deep deep wisdom and realization, and they're able to help us, enlighten us, give us clarity about our situation and the trajectory of our life. What are we supposed to be doing with this human life? Mm-hmm. So that's humility and knowledge. Then we need to have the discipline to actually follow through with what we're given by the guru. That mm-hmm. he gives us some prescription. Do this. This will help you. Mm. Take this medicine. Mm. But if you don't have discipline, you don't actually do it, you're not going to get better. It's not going to help you. So these are the weapons. These are the actual weapons that we use against the false self. And um, in the Bhagavad Gita, in the Srimad Bhagavatam, these and many, many other weapons are described in great detail. And great warriors and kings and sages, all of their lives are described in these texts so that we can take inspiration from them. Mm. But this is one of the key practices for a spiritual practitioner is just to read and hear about these great personalities of the past who have also fought the same war that we're fighting today and they've conquered. Respiritualize is a weekly podcast with new episodes every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern. We also host free courses on the science of bhakti yoga and ancient wisdom texts such as the Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam. For more information and to register for a course, visit www.respiritualize.com. If you have questions or comments from today's episode, or if you want to suggest a new topic for us to discuss on Respiritualize, please write to us at respiritualize at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Hare Krishna.